Hello and welcome back to the Ebby Online podcast. This week I'm joined by my friend Ash and this week's episode was actually supposed to be on politics and answering questions and discussing hot topic political issues. But a little racist incident happened on Friday night that I posted about on my story and said I would address on my podcast. We ended up running over and having a conversation about critical race theory, travelling abroad when you're brown, racism and authority, meaning police and council, and transracialism. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy. Weekend B. It's been okay. I've been trying to recover from the incidents that uh, took place on Friday, but um, otherwise, I'm pretty good. Do you know what? I'm fully over it. I've actually had a chill weekend. Really? How's your weekend? It's been good. Like, I have to admit, the reason why our friend Roshan is not on this podcast today is because I pushed back the time one hour because I was so tired. I just needed another, mm. like, an hour's lie-in. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I only woke up about half an hour ago as well. It's a good thing you called me just to remind me because, yeah. <laughs> Do you know what it is? It's Sundays, it's just like, yeah. Sundays, you just wanna have a lie in. What um, did you get up to last night? Because I had a chill weekend. Like, I went to the mm. cinema, comfy clothes, cute, nice film, snacks. Mm. No, I was, I, was, I was at home with the family, I was watching a film actually, um, just on Netflix now. It is. Just, I've had a chill weekend. Um, uh, yeah, I've got a couple of things uh, lined up this week. So I just want to have a nice chilled weekend before I have a busy yeah. week. It's going to be a busy ass week. Yeah, right. Should we hop into what happened on Friday? Because I thought, if you're listening, <coughs> we're going to do about a couple of minutes, 10 minutes, whatever needs to be said on this situation that happened on mm. Friday night. Mm. Um, I don't, I don't know what if I, what I could call it, like Winegate? Um, Dashgate, Dash a Drinkgate. Dashgate, Dashgate, Dashgate. Drink Dash. Um, Dash. To talk about what happened on Friday, because obviously I did mm. put on my story. Mm. I know you put on your story and I've had a lot of comments, responses, messages. I'm still getting messages today, like, are you yeah. okay? Which I am okay, you know, it's just... Yeah. Yeah, so let's get into what happened. Do you want to tell it from your? Yeah, I think I think I think, I think that would probably be better because I think what well, because just the just the position that I was, you know, sitting, etc. Just I saw things from a different angle from you, and obviously you were in the middle of it. So sometimes when you're in the middle of something, the adrenaline, the mist, the red mist comes along. Uh, and the adrenaline, the adrenaline, yeah, and the memory just uh, short shorts out. So yeah, we obviously you and I and Roshan met up. Um, it was the first time we've seen each other in what since what a year and a half, two years pre lockdown. We last it met up. Feel like it. We were saying I, so, I don't feel like it's been a year and a half because I talk to you every day and mm, I rush yeah. out all the time. I know, I know, but it's still good to see you. You know, changed up your hair, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So you notice these types of things. So uh, have you. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes, I have. More on that later. Um, but yeah, so we, we were just sitting down, having just chilling out and stuff like that. We, we were at. Do you want me to do it? We were at a pub at Tuffin in, in Tuffnell Park. Um, mm. I won't say the name of the pub. One of our favourite pubs. We used to live around the corner together. All three of us and some more. Mm. Obviously. Um, and I still live down the road from it. And it's just like our friendly local have always loved it. 
So mm. met up, we've had a couple of drinks, a couple of G&Ts, a glass. I think I had do, two gin and tonics and a glass of rosé. So just to, just to fast forward, um, so obviously we're just chilling out, Roshan came along. Um, so then this couple comes along behind us. Um, and we thought initially that it was mother and son, but later it transpired it was not. Um, yeah, so they started acting a bit strange as the evening went on. I, I don't know if you recall, but I, I gave you a look when they first arrived um, and they seemed a bit strange. Mm, the energy, found, the energy. What I found strange was we were, the, the table next to us kept asking for a lighter. So we got on well, mm. with people, like, we'll just leave it there. You can use it. Mm. Really cute guy in double denim. And I think it must have been <laughs> or something because those two looked like he was there with his housemates. If you could overhear the conversation on their table, they were talking about incels, which is something I'm very interested in. I'm not going to give too much away because I do have a couple of surprises coming on the podcast in the next couple of weeks. Mm. Um, so the racist lady because this is about a racist lady the racist mm. lady and her boyfriend not her son mind you she looked between the ages of 45 to 50 but i will hold on to that until the end of this story mm. they ordered a pizza and a gnt and they'd already had drinks and they ordered it it came to our table by accident and i was like ash i've already ordered like we had those potato things didn't we yeah yeah. I was like, this is not ours. And the table next to us with the cute double denim guy was like, um, just have it. <laughs> have it. And you were like, yeah. no, I'm going to take it back. So mm. Ash took it back and it, the pizza and the drink ended up being for the racist lady and her boyfriend. Mm. So those two were eating whatever. And then she calls the waitress over, the racist lady. And then she was like, really, you know, when someone's really rude to servers and waitresses? She was so rude yeah. to her and was like, really just like go away basically. Cause I could see it. Cause I was, you know, when you're sitting on those benches outside, mm. I could see yeah. it. Your back was to her at this point. Yeah. And then she started calling the, the waitress like a fat bitch and all of this and just fat. And I was like, that is so rude. Like you don't get paid enough to like have someone, you know, hurl abuse at you or, or say shit. Like yeah. you're leaving, whatever. Yeah. So her boyfriend gets up to go get her another drink. Roshan goes to the toilet. She mm. sees me, comes over, starts. I think she tried to talk to me and you, didn't she? Yeah, but we, we just shut, we just um, ignored we just, it because we could sense yeah. something was not right. So we ignored her. And then because she was having an argument. Remember, she was she was she was in a very belligerent mood at that point. She was in a hype she, mood. She was hype. Yeah. Yeah, because um, she, she was saying, she what was she saying? She was saying, oh, I've got hospitality qualifications back where I am from. This woman, fat, fat bitch, she doesn't know how to do this. Blah, blah. To be honest, I can understand why she was vexed to a point because you have to remember her food goes to the next table, doesn't go to her table. Her drink goes to the next table, doesn't go to the, uh, her table. So I can understand. It, back, it came straight back to I her, know, didn't I it? Know, I so know. sometimes you have to understand, like, if it's a busy Friday night, mistakes can happen. Like it's a really good pub. And anyone that has been there knows that because you just, mm. we've been going back for like, what, six, seven years. It's like our top choice. Like we take yes. everyone there. Um, yes, really, really nice pub, really good pizza oven. They've got oh, yeah, like pizza. When I was mm -hmm. like a student at my first arts university, all of my friends had studios upstairs because they have like art studios where you can work, yeah. like really cheap yeah. to print them out. And they're really cool. Um, so I ignored the lady and just like shook my head. So did you. And then Roshan is the nicest guy in the world. 
he comes back from the toilet and she starts, I think she tries to talk to him and he waves and says hi because he just doesn't catch on to like, he's so nice. He would never be rude to anyone. And he just didn't realize. So me mm-hmm. and you were like, don't wave at her. Like, <laughs> don't wave at her. I think we must have had another drink after that. And her boyfriend came back with another drink for her, which was not a good idea because, yeah. She was already in a, she was already in a pretty shitty mood. Mm. She, actually, the way she was talking to him, actually, like, I don't know if we're going to work. To I think we should talk but... about that because I, he is the definition mm. of a fucking cuck. I'm sorry, excuse my language. He is the definition of a cuck because he was like being really disrespectful in his face and he was just sitting mm. and buying her drinks like a timid child. And I don't want to be too rude because I honestly think he could be in an abusive relationship by the seams, by the sounds of things. Why would you be with, he, he was about 30 years old. This woman was about 45 to 50. That's yeah, why he was, it was his yeah. name. So yeah, he looked like he was in his uh, early to mid thirties. She looked like she was in her late forties, early fifties. That's us being generous. Yeah. yeah. That's us being generous, 40s, late forties, early fifties. So there was, a, there was a sufficient age gap for us to, think that she was his mother especially the way she was hectoring him and just having a go at him like you thought you know what you just thought maybe a overbearing, him. overbearing Turkish mother or something like that yeah, being um, rude to him so you were like oh <coughs> train like I, I always have like the best evenings with you two because mm. I've just known you for so long you two are like brothers to me I'm always in a good mood around you it was like I had a really nice time so you yeah. were like I need to go home because I need to get the last train out of London. So yeah. Roshan drives and he lives like north, northwest, wherever. I'm mm. north. So I'm literally like five minutes down the road less. So obviously I'm going to get a lift. So it's Roshan. So we set to leave the pub now and it's outside. Obviously it's like at the front of the beer garden, whatever. Mm. We're walking around. This lady is on the corner and this this racist lady starts saying you tell you say what she started <laughs> so we were we were if she waited another 10 seconds we would have been out of earshot and we, we wouldn't have heard what she was saying but as we were leaving she was saying oh these brown people the black dog black and, bitch yeah and then you just froze like you literally froze mid stride like and then you just suddenly you sort of froze your back shot up straight and you were like what and and then I did like, walk away didn't I, I yeah did you away. did you did walk away you sort of looked a bit dazed actually like as if you were stuck in two minds to keep on walking or to suddenly um act out. and then you're like no you did not just say that and then me and Roshan looked at each other and we were like I think she just did you know uh and we all sort of looked yeah Roshan looked at me Mm-hmm. And yeah, you were just given you were given the woman a look. She gave you a look. Clearly, your eyes, you know, connected. And then and she just kept saying more things. And then yeah, you hulked out. You took off your coat, threw it on the floor. You put your hand back on the floor, and you started walking back or marching back. And then Roshan gripped me up. <laughs> he did. Roshan literally had me, I feel like it was in a bear hug. And I don't know, it was like, it was like I had some sort of supernatural strength because Roshan's Mm. gone gym now. Roshan's a big guy. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Good. 
Um, Roshan was holding me back. You knew not to try and hold me back, Ash. You just knew. You just picked up my bag and my jacket. Thank you, hon. And um, you're, you're fo- I'll, I'll take you, you know, this girl's phone is in her jacket. That is her tools of her trade. I need to look after this. So, um, no, I had to protect your stuff. Uh, and I was trying to talk you down, but I was secretly. And I, I remember Roshan was like, don't do it, don't do it. And I got my leg up into Roshan's mm. chest, kicked him in the stomach, told him to fuck off. I was so angry that I'd been disrespected like that. Like I'd had a really good night, but it was like something just switched in my head. And because of the past, like if you've read my blog, mm, you know, the first post that I posted before all of this BLM stuff last year was in January because I had to live being gaslighted with a racist in my like mm. who was like put bleach in my food, tried to fucking kill me, put his hand yeah. on me. So when that woman was saying stuff to me for no reason, yeah, it just I switched. So I managed to like wrestle out of Roshan and you know when mm. someone's holding you back so it makes you more angry and I was like get, yeah. off, get off like I'm wasting energy on you when I could be using this energy on her ran yeah. up to her I remember screaming in her face like profanities grabbed yeah. a glass of wine and chucked it in her face yeah and you connected the drink went all over her face she picked uh, up the glass was waving it like she was gonna like smack me in the head and I remember like just everyone that was sitting around us got in the way. The staff came out and obviously mm-hmm. the woman was going crazy. And they, everyone said to me um, that was sitting around me, character witness, we heard everything, we saw everything, we're on your side. And it was just like, whew, okay. Because at that point I didn't care. I didn't even want, because the, the woman that I poured the drink over decided to choke out the waitress. Yeah, gripped her by the throat ripped up the waitress by the throat. So the waitress was like disgusted anyway with what she'd said, but she decided to call the police on her. And Mm. then the racist lady called the police on herself. And obviously I was like, I'm on my way out. I can't go now, I've got to sit and wait. Mm. I didn't care about what I did. I didn't want any police there. I didn't want any police to be called. I just wanted to drag her off the seat or to like attack her for what she'd said. Cause it was like, it's like muscle memory, a trigger just went off in me and I just had to hurt her. Yeah, Um, obviously she didn't put any hands on me at all um Mm. but she called the police on herself the police came and were basically laughing at her and she started lying about her age saying she was born in 1998 when I'm born in 1995 this woman was not two years younger than me I've got friends that are like two three years younger than me 97 yeah she was saying 97 yeah, she was saying 97, but also she's saying she said she was there with her boyfriend. At that point, we were, at that point, we were under the working assumption that was her son. So when she yeah. said, I'm here in Tufnell Park with my boyfriend, and then she said her date of birth, 97, me and Roshan looked at each other and we were like, is this woman for real? Like, when the police came and said that was her boyfriend, everyone was laughing. Yeah, the, yeah, uh, yeah. What's his name? Double denim and his table. They were like, "Wow, must be world's worst Tinder date." Yes, but the funniest thing was, she mm. caused so much trouble when she was there. I was sitting calmly. The yeah. staff were offering me free drinks, and I said, "Nobody put another drink in my hand because I will dash her again." <laughs> and they started laughing. Everyone started laughing. I will that. dash her again. But she was causing such a commotion, such a scene mm. at the, the pub that she had to leave. I'm sure she's barred from there now and whatever. Yeah. But yeah, it was just, oh, 
it was a mess and I would never, this is like the first time I've actually gone for someone in public, but it comes to a point where when someone is racist to you, that you just have enough. And it's like, I need to teach you a lesson. I'm not having it anymore because the guy that did all that stuff to me got away yeah. with yeah. enabled everything. Go, go to Ebby online and read that if you know, yeah. some more content. Or whatever. But um, it just turns out that the woman was from Turkey and the last guy that attacked me was Turkish. And I'm like, why is it that Turkish people seem to have such a problem with me being black for no reason that they seem to attack me like this? It's a strange one. You live in North London as well. So the likelihood of you having more issues is quite high. It's um, really, really bizarre. But in that point, yeah. in that moment, I was like, I'm not having it. So obviously the police, the, everyone's like to me, you, do you want to press charges? I was like, why the heck? I didn't even want to call them. I just wanted to dash her and just shut her up and teach her a lesson. I didn't even want police. So obviously- She I brought said, the police. She, she brought the police. police on herself, boy. Mm. You called the mm. police, you gripped up, you choked out the waitress. She called the police on her. But yeah, everything was calm. Everyone around me was so nice and so lovely. Mm. Um, I, in the moment I did, upload on my story so that's why everyone's saying what has gone on what has happened so I just wanted to clarify because it obviously was a lot of drama and it made me kind of gaslight myself into thinking Eben why didn't you just walk away but it's like sometimes you've just had enough of the racism you just have enough I, I saw the look on your face you were frozen upset rage something just snapped in you something just yeah. snapped in you and you have to remember, you're someone who takes pride in your appearance. So for you to just throw your bag to the ground, throw, take your coat off, throw it to the ground, that's completely unlike you. So, run up on her like you saying, wow. In the time I've known you, in the time I've known you, every time I have seen you get into these couple of occasions, it's only been two times, this is the second time I've seen you, it's when you've been majorly disrespected or yeah. you know, treated in a way that, it just seems like you're definitely the type of person you don't get angry easily but when you snap you snap and that's what happened can we just say that the first time that he saw me get angry was many years ago and it was because our housemate was just perving on me I know that sounds really gassy but it was true yeah, I was like was... 19 and he kept like I, I literally I only slept with like one person I'm crying about said x for six months and you're trying it on with me messaging me when I'm on dates like buying me presents and you're seeing someone yourself. I just wasn't having it. The disrespect, leave me alone. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> <laughs> I just think there's a couple of other uh, things that I just want to tease out from that incident. One, just, you know, a big shout out and thanks to everyone who was there, both the staff and the fellow customers. Uh, because as soon as, you know, the confrontation happened, about 10 people got up, got up from their seats to sort of protect you and get in, in between the two of you. Because I think I think a lot of them felt like you were justifying what you were doing. And if you did batter the crap out of her, a lot of people would, would have sympathised with your position. So I think that's one thing I want to point out. Secondly, this cuck guy, you'd say, um, there was a lot of things there that would just seem like the hallmarks of an abusive relationship. This is why, this is why, this is I why. I feel bad for calling him that, Ash. Sorry, carry on. Let I know, me. I know, I know, no, this is, um, just seems like the hallmarks of an abusive relationship because we thought it was a mother and son having dinner. That's what we thought, the way she was talking to him. Like, you know, some mothers have that type of relationship with their sons. We thought, okay, that's what's happening. So when yeah. she said she, he, was, he was her boyfriend and 
the look on his face. He just wanted the earth to swallow him up whole. There seemed to be a power imbalance there. Maybe he's financially dependent on her. I don't know. But I don't think that. He was paying for everything. And he was like, <clears throat> she's obviously got an issue because she seems to be like just a nasty, vile human being. And it was like, even, I know I snapped her um, on my story. Everyone could feel that energy through. I had like 25, 30 messages saying like, what a weirdo, what a vile human being, da 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 da. And I just think now being nice mm. doesn't get you anywhere. Sometimes you really have to teach racist people a lesson. It's not okay. Just because you're, I'm, I was out with like you, Roshan is Sri Lankan. He's literally mm. a tiny bit darker than me. You're a light skinned Bengali boy. Um, and you kind of look a bit racially ambiguous. And I know you've been told that before. Do you understand why mm. it's very hard to pinpoint where you're from? Mm. But I, just, I feel like no matter what, ethnicity you are um yeah. if you're from a minority I yeah. just don't take it anymore and it, that's it was just lost a switch in my mind and I couldn't take it so we did obviously leave there happy drove off in Roshan's car whatever and I spoke to my mum about it because at first I felt a bit bad as soon as I called her and she was like no you did the right thing I'm proud of you well done mm. she, she said to me she would have done worse so as long as my mum's proud of me my friends are proud of me and that just it went to show like as soon as that happened like it just I'm so grateful for the friends that I have because I have amazing friends loyal friends that understand me and that are are there for me and are down to ride out real g's of course, of course. I'm just thinking about some of your other friends that might have been with you and I feel like that young lady would have ended up in A&E <laughs> that's you know as soon as I as soon as we dropped you off yeah um literally as soon as you got out the car Jasmine started calling me yeah. And obviously that's like my best friend of 20 years. I'm the godmother to her child. And yeah. we used to move a bit mad when we were younger. And she yeah. seen your story. I'm so proud of you. Well done. She was like, I love you. You know, if I was there, I would have got we were FaceTiming, laughing in Roshan's car. See, I snapped out a bit quick. We were laughing. Of course. Got back to my house, was on the phone to Jasmine, laughing, having a good giggle. Like it just in that moment, like something just switched because I was having a good night and it didn't ruin my evening. I went home, mm. you know, I went home happy. So <laughs> yeah, I know. I think for you, it's just cathartic. I still, I it still had a good evening with my friends. Yeah, I think for you, it was, it was cathartic in the sense that you just got it out of your system. Because I think you have to remember this woman was for a prolonged period because we were there, we were there a couple of hours and I think they mm. turned up about, they turned up about a good hour into when we were, and then we had the whole debacle regarding the, food their food on our table etc etc but we had a lot of comments from that lady brown this brown that we didn't know who that was aimed at black this black that black yeah. bitch well that, that was definitely aimed to you because really when i ran up on her yeah when i ran up on her and i was like say it again i was like call me an n-word to my face call me this to my face then say it to me say it to me and mm. other people heard her saying it yeah, yeah, it was, a, it was a tricky situation because obviously you were the only black person in the restaurant, in that part of the restaurant. So, exactly. Um, that was definitely aimed at you, Brown. I think there could have been a couple of other Asian people around, but I'm pretty sure it was aimed at our table. Uh, I think 
I don't know what set this lady off. Maybe she's just a mean drunk. I honestly don't know. Uh, the way she was haranguing. It's obviously come out, come out how she feels though, because even when she called the police, it was black this, black that again. Oh yeah. Us. Oh yeah. She, yeah. She was saying, yeah. I remember now. She was saying these black people are attacking me. La, la, my human rights. My human he rights. He was screaming down the phone, but then she was the one that got taken away. And you have to remember that. Uh, Roshan had to drive a different way to the station because if he had driven the way he was supposed to, we would have ended up driving past this lady while she was walking back on foot. And we both know you would have jumped out of the car and jumped her again. <laughs> Probably. With, that's the mood I was in because I, the way I see it is, I understand that you're from an... Is, it, is Turkey an Arab country? Yeah, I think it was fair to say... Uh, yeah, Middle Eastern, fair. Yes, yeah, fair. Yeah, fair I, I, but just the racism that comes towards black people. If any, you know, other journalists are listening, can somebody like fund me to go and film a documentary on racism in the Middle East? Because I'd happily do it because I want to get to the root of it. How are black people portrayed in the media there? Where are these racist stereotypes coming from? Is it something that's ingrained? Is it something that's mm. just passed down and it's very normally spoken about to put black people down like that? I want to get into it. I want to research it properly so someone can fund me. I'm down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shooting have, you ever, up. have you ever been to that part of the world, Turkey, or any part of the Middle East? Or, I've um... been to Greece. Mm. And you know me, I go normally without this, this lockdown shit. I would yeah. go to a new Greek island every year. And every, like, I love, everyone that knows me knows I love Greek people. And okay. I love them so much. It's like, I feel at home there. I feel safe. Obviously, I get stared at a lot if I go to, like, a small Greek island where they might mm. have many black tourists from different parts yeah. of the world. But it's they're very friendly to me. They're very nice. I've never had, as of yet, anyone say anything degrading to me I leave every year with new friends okay. <laughs> like, okay. it's it really that bad like I make friends with everyone mm. usually and like it's it's really nice I really I love Greece like I love the vibe and obviously I've gone to islands there's like 200 Greek islands I want to do every single one in my lifetime um <laughs> apart from Mykonos that's probably the last place I wanted to go because I'm not really into like Ibiza yeah party islands i'm much more like I, I went to like pythagoras land which is math maths land last time nice little nice. Island. and i learned a lot because there were migrants there on the island when i stayed nice. black and brown migrants from places like somalia that were coming up to me saying sister sister and okay. it, oh it's like you know what i'm like the journalist in me i was like i want to whip out my camera and talk about the migrant crisis on samos, samos island and get some interviews because mm. it's something that's been forgotten and many of them have been here for years and i felt bad because i've come on some sort of luxurious holiday and then on another part of the island everyone is living in tents and huts and it really like you have to see it in person to understand how it will make you feel i get that but in terms of, I think Greece is culturally European, so I think, yeah. uh, have you ever been to Dubai, any, any parts of that part of the world? I've never been to Dubai, but I've been to yeah. other countries in Europe, and you know me, I don't want to say I dress up sexy, because that just makes me feel sick saying that. Like, say how I used to dress a couple of years ago, I'd wear like high-waisted jeans, um, mm. a nice thigh-high boot, a little fur jacket, nice little handbag. Um, mm. 
people would like shout at me in the street and shit, honk their horns. I feel like some people, and that was like, everyone would be going out and it would be like on a, do you know what I mean? On a strip somewhere. Yeah. Um, with loads of bars and restaurants and my friends would be dressed up too, but I would always feel like they're looking at me like I'm a prostitute or the men would approach me like I was a prostitute. I remember I was in like club somewhere and some French guy came up to me and was like, I want your number, like you're really cute, this, that and the other. And I thought he was quite good looking as well. I look at the, he gives me his phone and I see the background of his phone, he's got a girlfriend. And then he starts asking, asking me mad questions like, so he said to me, what do you do then? And then he, before I could answer telling him what I was doing, he told me, he said it for me already. He was like, so you work in a Caribbean takeaway. You work in a Caribbean restaurant. I'm not Caribbean at all. <laughs> um, and I was like, you're just, oh, and he was like, you're a cleaner and all of this stuff. And I was like, so oh God. I told him to F off, gave him his phone back. But it's, yeah. Back I, think, to I, think, I think a lot of people look at you and they fetishize and think you're exotic, blah, blah, blah. And they get, sort of weird twisted perceptions of you yeah and that's just from men so that's why the fact that this incident was with a woman on friday is uh it's a different spin on things i suppose so i think when it's with men you could say maybe they're fetishizing you whatever yeah but with this with this woman it was just full-blown racism there's nothing mm. there's no it wasn't like a guy who was into you and then getting you know salty that you weren't giving him attention this is just pure full-blown racism but I think what you need to understand is in situations like this, um, you always try and, you know, try and stay calm and stuff like that. But I just feel like that incident, just, yeah, something blew inside you. So it's, I've to... had enough of it. It's my, I am, like, it goes back to many things, okay? So, yeah. you know, you said the, the fetishy, fetish, fetishy thing as well. It's like, I am no different to other girls. I'm just a different yeah. skin color, different phenotype, different mm. ethnicity, different race. I'm still a human being. There is nothing mm. going to be different about me apart from some of my like cultural traditions, the food I eat, those types of things, my cultural values, that type of stuff. So when somebody just thinks low blow, I'm just going to start degrading this person and saying derogatory things about their skin color and about who they are and just using like it is triggering and it's what's the word what's the word where someone tries to antagonizing racist mm. language mm. i get that i get that and i've been to turkey i've got friends black friends black colleagues who've been to turkey and they've said you know they don't make to, they're not made to feel welcome really Mm. I, 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 we don't know what it is obviously you go to the tourist trap areas and obviously they'll still try and get money off you etc there's just the I don't know maybe you can explain it better but like the non-verbal cues you know you just you get someone who's just really cold with you for no reason just doesn't like you straight off the bat yeah and they don't like they don't like the people you're with and you just think you know what I haven't done anything so this what is, is what, it this is what scared me because last year I was seeing um Black UK celebrities, mixed race ones. There was that Nathan mm. Geordie Shaw that did a whole story on, and it really, he was so upset and I could see the pain in his eyes. He was literally crying. Okay. He went over to Turkey, was on a bus somewhere and they were spitting at him all over his back, calling him mm. the word, all of this type of stuff, just for sitting on a bus and going to like another part of the town, the country. 
to go do some tourist stuff. And it's to the point where, you know, the Greek islands that I go to um, are, it's, they're closer to Turkey. So they can, you can go across with your passport and do mm. a little day trip in Turkey or whatever and, and go yeah. into like Turkish culture. I have always turned down the opportunity or just put it at, at the back of my mind because mm. I'm so scared to go to somewhere that could like, like say if I went to Turkey and they were really racist to me, I know nobody would be on my side. I would be gaslit. I would, the, the police would be on their side mm. and it would be a really, really harsh situation that I could get mistreated in. So I always just stay where I feel safe, which is in Greece. <laughs> <laughs> I went to to Croatia a few years ago uh, with a family on a family holiday and um, I just I just got a a level of hostility that I've never had anywhere else from the locals just wherever we went it it was purely along generational lines so anyone under the age of 35 was very friendly nice etc anyone you know roughly older than that cold you know whether you're buying tickets for a bus and the way the the guy will just put your change put it down not even look you in the eye etc stuff like that and just and even waiting staff um slightly um, older slightly older waiting staff they look at you funny like as if you know I'm a paying customer. You doing yeah. here? I'm a paying customer like I'm not asking you to be my mate just be professional but yeah I, I know I just got that hostility when I went to Croatia so I just think there's certain parts of the world if you're a person of color you're going to get crap. And this is what scares me as a journalist, because I would love to be able to have, you know me, it's like, I, I would love to be able to go to all of these countries and like report yeah. stuff and, and make fucking sick news and report on mm. different issues that are really like, I feel like need to have a light shone on them and people don't know what's going on. Stuff like that. Yeah. How am I supposed to go and report in countries if, they're going to give me racist abuse and it's going to be harder for me to to do a job that I love and I'm passionate about compared to my white counterpart counterparts or my white you know white passing counterparts so maybe I should just stick to news in Africa <laughs> I don't know <laughs> maybe maybe but then that's, that's you limiting yourself and yeah. letting the racists win yeah. um it's, I think it's just, just I, a world like this I think it's just really sad that white is the default standard um, response. Like, yeah, you can be white anywhere in the world, and I don't know. Maybe, maybe you'll get mistreated, but I just feel like uh, you go to other places as a person of color, and you'll definitely be mistreated. What was the chance that you'll be mistreated? But the likelihood of you being white and being mistreated based on your race probably a lot lower. But who knows? that's just a just something I suspect this is really 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 true and it's Uh, no I'm sure I'm sure any of your listeners they can they can chip in in any of their stories you know what their background is um if you've got anyone do you would you say that you as well being Mm. you're so like you are racially ambiguous okay like Mm. remember do you remember everyone was like, obviously we were friends with a lot of Bangladeshi people. We were friends with a lot of Pakistani people, still are. Do you remember they were really shocked when you said you were from Bangladesh and obviously you speak your language or whatever. They were like, what? 
Yeah, and because I work in East London as well, it's a bit of a party trick I pull out when I start speaking in Bengali. Um, but I was, I was actually having a very similar conversation with, um, with one of my friends who's also doing a podcast, uh, Bold, Brown and British. Shout um, them out. They are really, yeah. really good. They are really, really amazing. Yeah, that's Karina at uh, Bold, Brown and British. I was doing a podcast with her on uh, White Voice, actually. Um, it was one of the most recent ones about having a white voice and some of the... Some of the benefits, I'd say, with being uh, light-skinned Asian. Um, one of the things I was telling her was, because I work in East London, I think white colleagues felt comfortable saying, Asians this, Asians that. Really? Yeah. Elaborate. Well, I work in property management. I've had, you know, I've had um, white colleagues make comments like, oh, we'll have to do a visit. And then saying something about curry and stuff like that, like the smell of curry, etc. Like, you know, not nothing, nothing over, but just those. Don't like the phrase microaggressions or stuff like that, but you've come under that type of umbrella term. Basically, comments about culture or race that they feel comfortable enough saying to me. I feel like they wouldn't say the same thing to you know what pisses me off okay we were supposed to this podcast I'm gonna to have to name it something different because we were supposed to come on and talk about politics today we can save that for another episode because I feel like okay. we'll run with this narrative yeah. um, so thank you if you are still listening thus far but what annoys me is obviously before the whole BLM situation last year I went through that horrible experience with that racist guy Mm. I almost don't want to talk about it. I feel like people don't want to talk about racism anymore. I feel like people just don't really, I don't want to say don't believe in it, but it's like, oh, you're talking about that again. Do you see what I mean? And it's to the point where I, I'll gaslight myself. And even after I poured her wine over her, ran up on her, I gaslit mm. myself for like, I would say probably a good three hours in my head thinking, you know, maybe I'm in the wrong, turn the other cheek, that type of thing. But then it's the point where it's like, why should I turn the other cheek? Because nobody ever listens and you don't learn and people just, how it makes you feel like, it can give you like, I don't even want to call it, can just give you like, I had such bad anxiety. It can really fuck with your head if you have to mm. day in and day out under someone's thumb and they are doing, calling you a monkey, putting their hands on you doing stuff to you so it just comes to a point where it's like I'm not going to take it anymore I'm not going to take the disrespect I'll stand up for myself and as long as my mom's proud of me I don't care you know that's I'm true I, I can't imagine I can't even begin to imagine um what it must feel like being dehumanized on a regular basis these interactions I imagine it probably just chips away at your self-identity but this just is, kind of, this hmm. is the first time this year okay that so you've had a major that I've had a major, major racism incident. Last year, mm. I only got into a tiny bit of a kerfuffle. Um, I don't even know if I want to say it or not. Just somebody, well. said that, somebody said that I look like I had attitude from my Instagram account. And if you've seen my Instagram account, it's literally floral roses. Well, not even roses, mm. but floral girly frilly dresses. I'm a very like girly person like it's there's nothing attitude about it but I was like if you look at my profile and that's the first thing you say to me mm. that's rude because you wouldn't look at anyone else's profile and say that this is where should we talk about interracial dating now because 
if I'm honest, it was the guy I was seeing last summer, the only person I saw last year. Mm. Um, okay. The guy that I was dating last summer, he was trying to get me to go to one of his friend's parties or something. And he was like, I've told my best friend about you. Da, 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 da. And mm. he, I showed him your Instagram and he said, he look, you look like you've got attitude. And it's like, he would never say that about anybody else. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a strange Then I said, I don't a... want to see your friends. I don't want to meet up with them. I'm good. I don't want to see that guy. I think that was, I think it's more of a reflection on them than it is about you, to be honest. Unfortunately. Well, I would have to be in their presence. Well, I don't care if you're inviting me to parties with your friends and you want me to like hmm. part of your group or stuff. Like, I'm good, you know. Do, do you I'm, remember, I'm just suddenly, remember, I'm suddenly remembering now. Do you remember what you said? on Friday, a little bit after the incident, you said, this was in the car just before you guys dropped me off at the station, you said, I'm not putting up with this anymore. It's time to get violent. Is that something you still stand by now that the, the red mist is? Sort of- I don't, but I don't judge anyone for slapping someone in the, ma- in the mouth if somebody is racist towards them, like, calling them the n-word being violent like what the way that woman was shouting back at me black this black that very violent like Mm. you deserve to get your drink dashed in your face so do you think i i i i i I don't i just think racists need to shut up shut up i get that i get that but do you think violence is an appropriate response to being racially attacked yes and no Yes and no. Okay. Yes and no. I think, so that's, I think, that's a maybe. It every situation is different. Of course, of course. Every situation is different. You know that was it. Michelle Obama said, "When they go high, well, sorry, when they go low, you go high. You know, turn the other cheek." All the I've other been stuff, going high back. for so long. I've been going yeah. high for so long. And where has high got me? Getting gaslit. Mm. They moved that racist mm. guy to the room next door to me to abuse me even more. I couldn't eat. Mm. I couldn't use the kitchen. Where were my human rights? Mm. They pouring bleach in my food, trying to kill me because of the color of my skin. And the property management company didn't care. They were on his side. I get that. So, um, was, do you tell me one of the property? Do you, come in? Where do, where, do why, you why should I turn the other cheek? Didn't you tell me that one of the property managers was, I think, black as well? Yeah, he was. And also when the BLM, BLM thing happened five months after, yeah. um, I had this gut feeling, and my gut feelings are usually correct. And I was like, because they read the article I produced on the company, um, the Brazilian guy messaged me, fake spiritual guy messaged me saying, um, I've read the article. I think you're an amazing journalist. I wish you nothing but the best on your journey. Um, all of this type of stuff. And I just ignored it. And then he tried to friend request me on my social medias to think I would be friends with you after you allowed my mistreatment like that, after I'm crying down the phone, like, where's my, where's my dignity? True. And you're laughing at me, like, just ignore him. And it's like, ignore someone that's putting like a six foot four, Matt, you've seen how I'm skinny. Mm. I'm supposed to ignore somebody putting their hands on me and being screaming in my face, racist abuse. I'm supposed to just take it. No. no, I get that. I get that. And I think, I think I'm sure a lot of your listeners would agree. I think there comes a point where you can no longer turn the other cheek. It's not just about racism. It's just they were all posting things. up. They were all posting up 
BLM, Black Lives Matter, mm. all of this stuff. It's like, well, when did my life matter where you allowed all of that stuff to happen? And I've got evidence. I had video recordings. I was on mm. job. Evidence, ev- files and files. Do you see what I'm saying? Where was my, where was my dignity? Um, what you were saying about you feel like you sort of reached peak activism in terms of BLM, et cetera, et cetera and you're sort of gaslighting yourself that you don't want to keep talking about racism etc etc and if it didn't what... happen to me I wouldn't have to talk about it because this would not oh, have been a, hmm. this was not on my radar to do a podcast about race at all I get that I get that and I think I think there is a perception rightly or wrongly that there is oversaturation of BLM and race how do you question for you how do hmm. you feel about criticism critical race theory being taught in schools and to mm. um, staff so like training and stuff like that how do you feel about it being taught what are your it's a tricky it's a tricky one because I think I remember reading an article a couple of weeks ago about a, um, a university lecturer who has been suspended because um, I think she made yeah what, what, do you remember the background regarding that story I think she refused to um, to partake in critical race theory training or like workshop training day, that mm. type of stuff. Mm. Okay, fair enough. Um, but I think in general, I think it's a tricky one. I think uh, the way race and history is taught in this country and a lot of the Western world, it's really, really strange. Like. And a lot of things have been airbrushed out of history. We've had a lot of women scientists, mathematicians, etc., successful businesswomen who've been airbrushed out of history. You have um, BME people who have done things, extraordinary things. They've been airbrushed out of history. There's that saying that history is always written by the winners. Um, I think there's a lot of truth to that. That it is written by the people who control the levers of recording history, whether that's the media, etc. I think, like, I, I just find it really strange that I think in this country we have like Black History Month. I know in America they do that as well. Um, like, I'll give you one example. In my workplace, we had like a Black History Week. Everyone brings in food from their from their workplace, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But my argument is right, and I see a lot of corporations doing this. You do all the good PR stuff, you do all the photos, food, different types of dress, etc. Everyone comes in their traditional uh, cultural dress, but then the structural elements, the wages, the positions in management, those things never get addressed. So I think, I feel like there's a lot of um, cosmetic changes that take place in regards to racism and race, I think. I agree. How do you feel about, this is a good one, um, transracial people, do you think, how would you feel if someone said, I identify as Asian Bengali, would you feel like they were fetishizing it? I can't even say the word fetish, I'm not even going to do it, it's a tongue twister. Fetishizing it, do you feel like, do you feel like it's possible to switch race then, because then you could switch to be, in quotations, oppressed? (laughs) Are you talking like a Rachel Dolezal? Yes. Uh, that, type of, that type of situation. I think, 
Um, not had yeah. an Asian transracial yet. We've had a Korean transracial. We've had many, many, for some reason, it's really popular to be black. I know we're popping. Like we've had so many black transracials, men and women. Google it. Uh, do you know what I feel like these type of people, they want all the, I don't want to say the perks, the perks of being black without all the drawbacks. So I just think, I, I think it's wrong. How would you feel if you applied for a um, BAME uh, uh, job or job position, but a transracial person was able to say, I identify as Asian? Um, It's always white people that are are, are being transracial to be another race. We notice that. That's a trend. I just want to point that out. I think that's just another example of white privilege. Was it? Oh, I remember what... (sighs) Dave Chappelle, a big Dave Chappelle fan, and one of his shows. As am I. Yeah, he's uh, he made a really he made more of a commentary because Dave Chappelle doesn't really tell jokes; he just talks about society, does it in a funny way. Um, Dave Chappelle said, "Why was it easier for Caitlyn Jenner to become? Sorry, let me start again. Why was it easier for Bruce Jenner?" to become Caitlyn Jenner, but it was harder for Cassius Clay to become Muhammad Ali. So it was easier for Caitlyn Jenner to change her gender, mm-hmm. but it was almost impossible, it was very difficult for Cassius Clay to become Muhammad Ali. Because there was a period in time where a lot of people still referred to him as Cassius Clay well after he became Muhammad Ali, a lot of people. So yeah, I just think, I think, I just think trans issues, but I think that that joke that Dave Chappelle made. I think it's a completely different one because this is people that are saying that they are another race now. Mm. Like Martina Big is one of them. She's, oh my God, she's embarrassing. She's got these massive balloon breasts. Okay. And she had blue eyes. I think she wears brown contacts now. But she was like, I'm going, she's got a German voice, you know, when it's really high pitched, like, I'm going back to Africa. Mm. She doesn't mm. even, she thinks Africa is a country, not a continent. What part of mm. Africa are you going back to? What um, cultural traditions do you say that you feel more at home, more at home with? It was somewhere like Southeast that she went, I think. I think she went to, yeah, I think she went to the Southeast country and she was like okay. jumping around with the women in like their traditional dress with these massive, just, just ridiculous bits everywhere. She mm. was on, she was on um, was it Good Morning Britain? I think she's been on one of them on This Morning doing interviews. You can just Google her and, and watch them. But you were not black. She was like, I've got the hair now. I've got, it's all fetishizing race. Race is a really, really, like, it's a hot topic issue right now. I think just gone. so many facets of it. I think we just look at the long lens of history, right? You have to remember mass media, marketing, et cetera. It's only been around, what? 50, 60, 70 years. Um, in, the, in the mid 20th century, all the models on the covers of the newspapers, magazines, et cetera, they're all white, okay? Black was not desirable. You know, you had black and brown uh, separate magazines. You know, I, I can't remember what they're called. I think some of the women's ones were like So Asia and whatever, whatever, that was catered to the South Asian community. But basically what you had was, in mainstream media, the only thing that was attractive was white. So now we sort of had a role reversal. Now you see a lot of organizations, a lot of marketing companies, they want to be as inclusive as possible. So being having that brown face, that black face, is you know, 
it's 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 it's, it's a nice cosmetic change. It shows that you're in the 21st century, etc. So now being black, being brown is desirable. But then there's so, the conversation of tokenism as well that would come into that. Yeah. You can't discuss one thing on race without discussing the other. There's so many things you could bring up. No, Sorry, I was just I thinking know. that. I know, I know. Again, very excited. But the point I'm trying to make is uh, now it's now being black, now being brown is desirable. Now you've got all these white people trying to associate themselves. They want to jump on that bandwagon. They haven't had the historical abuse of being in those groups, this historical... Um, oppressive regimes whatever you know you've got some parts of the world where people come in uh, as refugees whatever they come to this place in the west and yes they've escaped war etc etc but they come here they get abuse etc etc i think in this country um was it you had tommy robinson attacking the afghan boy who was bullied and, and making the stuff up yeah he's getting, tommy to robinson is getting sued for <laughs> pay how amazing i know so I just think, I just think, in this country, in the West, uh, if you're BME, if you're minority, whatever it is, you just you just start off in that, you know, the race of life. You start off a little bit behind, and you just got to put up with all this nonsense that some people are completely oblivious of. And it's scary. It's really scary. Do you experience racism at school? Um. I was, I was quite lucky uh, in the sense that the type of racism you get is more, I would call middle-class racism. So none, none of this like getting beaten up, being called a packy, et cetera, et cetera. Because I went to a predominantly white school. You just, you just got people making comments about, you know, smells of curry, et cetera, et cetera. You know, stuff like that. Stuff that's more nasty, but it's sort of racially tinged rather than... Yeah. But thankfully, I was lucky I did have some... Uh, Asian friends, some black friends, etc. Um, but yeah, I went to dominantly white school, so uh, it's just one of those things. I, I I feel sorry for those people who live in places that are predominantly white, and they're like the only Asian or the only black person. Well, I don't know. Was your background like that? I'm trying to remember. I remember someone said to me, "You're the only black people on the street," and my mum used to say, to me, "We are the only black people on our street, so we need to show. We need yeah. to make sure that we're always." We're not doing anything bad. We when I think about it, we were. I lived. In, <clears throat> I, I don't want to say I moved a lot as a kid because I didn't. I moved three times, but twice in the same area. Yeah. I stayed at one like when I first moved to Hertfordshire, I was in a house for a year, and I loved that house. And I was like, I don't want to leave. And then I moved literally round the corner to a nicer house, and yeah, it was just it was great. But we were. I lived there for how many years? Sixteen years. And I would say for the first 10, yeah. we were the only black people on the street. 17 years, 16, 17 years. Um, we were the only black people on the street, you know. But I, okay. I didn't, it's so bizarre to me. Obviously, I knew I was a different race. I knew I was different to other people. But it wasn't until I was like 15 when like one girl at school just she, she said something like her sister was in the year above mm. she said my sister's got a spray tan for prom because obviously we were in year 10 we're in year 11 my sister got a spray tan for prom she looks like yeah. n word she looks like ebon why would you say that um why would you say that so i like for me i always like i'm not 
I'm a sensitive person, but I'm not soft because I will cry you and I will, I'll cry and I'll slap you at the same time. Do you understand? <clears throat> for me, because mm. like when I get really anxious, I cry a lot. So mm. for me, crying is like me expressing my emotions. It's a way that I like I emotionally regulate myself. It helps me to mm. it's an outlet. So I may not even be like upset. I cry when I'm happy too. I just cry. Um, so I cried because it was just me processing my emotions. Do you see what mm. I mean? But the anger built up over a couple of days and it was like, I wasn't talking to her. I was protesting because something, I was like, I'm not having you disrespect me like that. And obviously my black friends were on my side. So I would protest. I remember we were in the same history class. I sent myself out of the history class. I refused to do my work that type of stuff. She knew it was coming for her. She knew like the black people were pissed. So she had her sister come up and stand on the outside of the courts in case, and cause her sister was known as the girl that would fight everyone. <laughs> her sister was known as like the big boss, but I wasn't scared of her sister. Mm. I wanted her sister to do me something. You want to mm. defend your sister for saying like racist shit around people that are supposed to be her friends. So this is how you've been brought up. This is how you refer to me behind my back. This is how you refer to my other black friends behind their backs. This is just part of your culture. This is how you talk behind closed doors in your home. So it's nice to finally see it. So I remember this was like four days after, I remember her sister, it got heated and I was like on it and I was like, let's go. And she was as well. Mm. So obviously this girl couldn't handle her own beef. So she stepped to the side. Her sister was on the outside of the courts. Why, why is it when someone's like racist to me and I'm angry, I ripped off my blazer, dashed my bag again. Was what is it with you? Is that, is that like your, is that I, like your... I think that's how you know I'm ready to play. I'm not sure. I don't know. Just dashing, do you know what I mean? Blazer I like off, I, I running out like of people in my kill. I feel like if you were a computer character, that would be like your finish move. You rip your jacket off, you hold cow, you start unleashing some combos. <laughs> it's mad. But I'm not, I'm not even that type of girl as well. Like I'm literally a rake. Mm. Do you see what I'm mm. saying? Um, but I remember trying to run upon her and then the six foot six deputy head, who was more like a headmaster himself, got in the way um. and was like, get to my office right now. Like rip me up, wasn't allowed to do it. The girl that said the shit ended up getting suspended for like a week. Good. And obviously I'm not the type of person, I'm never running to authority um, no. to, to be like, this person said this or this happened to me. Like I didn't call the police on Friday night. I didn't go and tell like teachers when, you know, I felt like she disrespected me. Um, so it was more like, I'll just handle it myself. <laughs> I think what you said about authority really does they, um, most of the time they don't do anything I was so surprised on Friday that the police were so lovely could see her crap because obviously she was giving it to them as well and she still carried on and the people around me like the men around me as well that I didn't even know the women around me everyone was amazing but some most of the time when you go to authority that's why I said like I'm scared to travel to a different country because I know if something happens the authority will be on their side yeah I think that's what I was going to touch upon I think a lot of people they don't they're mistrustful of authority and uh, purely because they'll get you know indifference at best and probably outright hostility at worst so I think this is one of those situations where going forward here in the UK in the 21st century you don't go running to the police, you don't go running to teach, you don't go running to employers, like even in the workplace, etc. A lot of people don't trust their HR. I think the best thing that people of colour can do is start, I don't want to say the word segregate, I think 
start doing is uh, having their own spaces. You know, I think I think there's a thing where is there a week or a day where they just spend money in black businesses? I think I remember hearing something about that in America. It's Juneteenth, uh, something like that. Yeah, something like that. Like where you support black owned businesses, black run businesses. I think I think people need to start doing that now. Um, because I think that's the only way you get things done. Money talks, money talks. Start supporting black uh, businesses, start supporting black artists. I think that's the only way we're gonna get things done unchanged. Are there any other comments you would like to wrap the podcast with? Anything that you wanna finish up with? I think, I think it's a tricky one. I think race is such a multifaceted issue. You come at it from so many different angles. I think the only thing you can, I'd like to add, I think it's, I think it's just a very different experience if you're a man compared to being a, a woman of colour. And that's why I'm just going to acknowledge that and you know, just pay tribute to yes. what, the, good, the good stuff that you're doing on this podcast, stuff that my friend is doing on her, on her podcast as well. I think it's good to see BME women really leading the way in these conversations. So I just want to wrap it up on that note because I listened to your uh, one with Asha Tarambi and what she was saying when she was doing her bits in um, outside of London. I know, and, and when she was, and when she left London, how she got clocked straight away. Because when you go to those areas where there's not many people who look like you, the authorities will, yeah, you stand, you stand out. So I think that's, I just want to pay tribute to that and just some of the good stuff that you're doing on this, on this show. I want to have you back in the future. Um, in a- Thank you for listening. Please tune in next week, Monday, for a new guest and a new exciting topic. Feel free to check out more of my content at ebbyonline.com.